Welcome to Top Advisor Marketing, where you will learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your practice. Brought to you by Top Advisor Podcasting, a done-for-you podcasting solution built just for trusted advisors. And now, your co-hosts of Top Advisor Marketing, Kirk Lowe and Matt Halloran. And welcome to another Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. Kirk and I are going to dive into a little bit about his history, about when he was in university and did a lot of research and writing about marketing and branding. And then we're going to dive into the eight tactics to gain competitive advantage in your practice. Now, here's the kicker. You're going to need to have a pen and pencil and some paper or whatever handy, because we're going to walk through these eight tactics. And there are going to be actionable items that you can take either while you're listening to the podcast or as soon as you get off the podcast to change the way that you market and give yourself that competitive advantage. Kirk, let's talk about university, I'm, brother. Amen. I'm going to suggest that anybody who's pulling out a pen or paper does it after because we already know that 72% of people who are listening to this are commuting, which means they may be driving. They could be in public transit, but probably not right now because it's COVID, although hopefully it's a, a um, they could be listening to this afterwards. Anyway, so don't get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> that's our disclaimer. Uh, good disclaimer. That was very smart. Yeah, yeah I was about to cause car so, accidents there, so that's that's bad. Yeah. yeah so I'm going to way back. You know, um, I went to I went to school at Dalhousie University, studied marketing for four years, and actually I think it was on the five year program because it took some time off in between. But when I was at university studying marketing, we spent a lot of time talking about the importance of how to strategically move your company forward by gaining a competitive advantage. And a lot of case studies, a lot of time talking about how do you gain a competitive advantage and how important that is in business. Honestly, it was really the most, from where I was, you know, sitting and learning, it felt like the most important thing in a business is nothing else really mattered if you couldn't create a competitive advantage. And we know that's not really true. There's lots of successful businesses Although I guess their competitors may maybe location or, but there's lots of businesses who don't bother doing that can still be successful or moderately successful. But the, the, the real winners and champions have found a way to achieve that, right? So really it was the pinnacle of marketing. I don't really hear people talk about it a lot. And I don't even less, you know, marketers for starters, and then even less so businesses I just, I don't know if it's just, we've got a new jargon or language for it, but I don't hear it enough. So I wanted to go back, go a little old school and, and talk about this. And, and I remember, and I'll give you some examples a little bit later of some instances and experience that I've had, you know, over the years thinking about or trying to push ideas forward like that. So anyway, we're going to talk about the eight tactics of gaining a competitive advantage in your business and or your practice. So the first one is really something that a lot of people don't like to talk about, uh, which, which is the idea of, of manipulating, not necessarily in a negative way, but adjusting your pricing structure. Let's talk about that. Yeah, and we want to start with something that really gets everybody's blood boiling, <laughs> which is, you know, when everything else appears to be the same, low, lower cost may be the only option. So some people, a competitive advantage is, is a low fee strategy, right? So the first seven tactics I'm going to talk about today are very common. They've been written about plenty. And these are things that, that, I, that I studied in school. They're, they're all textbook and they're, and they're all great ideas. Then we're going to give an eighth 
that I that does get talked about more, but not necessarily as as a as a point of gaining competitive advantage. So, um, sorry, I'm kind of all over the place early here, but low fee strategy is one of those. Like in a commoditized market, how do you beat everybody else? You just find a way to offer a lower price. Either it's volume, or you find a way to make uh, lower produce something at a lower cost, right? So that's the first one. That's pretty straightforward, mm-hmm. and that happens in the industry right obviously but it's not the place where most people want to go unless you're big because well if you unless you have volume obviously it's a losing strategy the second one is a different differentiation strategy so how can you be seen as different and hopefully better and that's really about making sure people you understand your audience and they understand you and what you're doing for them and can you come out from a different perspective and that's really a using marketing message to achieve that and that's a really you know popular way to compete create a competitive advantage although these days i think that's not lasting there's got to be a lot of depth behind it and that's usually where that one can fall flat is if you don't have if you can't be your own brand or you know prove that differentiation behind your marketing copy then it's it's a glass house, if you will. Well, and if anybody wants to know more about the differentiation strategy, one, they need to check out our website, look at some of the white papers and blogs that we've written, but they also need to listen to this podcast and go back to some of the previous episodes because we've actually done, I believe, a very good job of giving people tools on how to differentiate themselves in a crowded marketplace. Okay, so low-free strategy, differentiation strategy. What's the next one? Next one is uh, innovation. So how can you bring something that's new uh, to your audience, uh, or something that's uh, better that suits them better, and you know that that happens in financial services fairly consistently. FinTech is you know it's happening at an increasing pace, uh, which is kind of difficult because advisors it's a lot to keep up with. And the part that's really a struggle is when innovation, when the next bit you know you invest in one innovation and then the next one comes along, right? In this case, is typically technology, uh, which is a little further down the list here. But you know, looking for innovative ways to serve your customers better or deliver your service, things like that, that can be a huge win. Um, and uh, obviously, two choices are newer or better. That's the third one. The fourth one is operational effectiveness. So, can you make it easier for people to work with you for you to deliver what they need? Can you just do it more efficiently so you can have better service or lower your cost or uh, lower your prices, things like that. So operational effectiveness is a really good way or just do a better job than other people are capable of doing your competitors, right? If somebody comes to you to get a financial plan done and one financial advisor goes in way more detail, way, way more thoughtful, uh, way more strategies and tactics than another advisor, obviously uh, operationally, that's um, yeah, there's a lot more value and it's a better product and outcome. Well, and in, in, in operational effectiveness to make sure that you're streamlining that really can go along the lines with this next one, which is technological technology strategy, because in fact, we just had a guest, we had two guests on recently that talked about outsourcing some of the technology aspects of your reoccurring parts of your practice that will streamline it, make it more consistent and efficient. So let's talk about some of the technology stuff, because this is one of the things that I've always liked about you, Kirk, is you're always looking at new and better, faster, more technological ways to do things, not only 
uh, for our clients, but also for our company. So what are some of the things that they need to look for in a technology strategy? Yeah, you know, you know what's really interesting there? Uh, so for technology strategy, you're looking at better and quicker, um, typically. But what's interesting is we're, we're using technology more and more in how we're evolving our company and, and, and the services that we provide you know, the community. And it's always been, um, for me, I'd say the smaller your company is or the, the less set up you are to have flexibility, the more difficult technology integrations and changes are. But when you have a really good team and you're really organized and everybody's focused, being flexible is so much easier because you have people that can implement stuff. And that's why I think it's really important for advisors who have smaller offices or businesses who are smaller to use, to go find people who really know their niche, you know, specialty or, or service and, and use them to do something that would have taken longer to learn and way longer to get better at and go to somebody who's already really good at something who can do it efficiently because they don't have to learn it probably end up costing you less money in the short term and then probably way less money and more results in, in the short term and the long term. And we're doing that all the time while hiring people right now who can come into our company on a shorter term basis. So maybe like a six month basis. That seems to be the norm for us right now and get us a lot of momentum in a certain area without having to go find that employee as a long term relationship. So it's working out really well. But you can, with technology, if you've got the right team or you can find people, you can, you can accomplish those things. So it, it doesn't need to be something that you hear us say and think, oh, that's just for a big company. You can kind of act like a big company without the commitments that a big company would have to have. So a bigger company, even large companies outsource all the time, to be honest, but you don't have to go hire every skill you need across your smaller company or even your mid to large size company. I know I just went on a bit of a ramble there, but hopefully that made a lot of sense. It did. All right, let's move on to the next one. What do we got? <laughs> it was great. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> adaptability strategy. So, you know, this kind of segue perfectly into this. Um, the more you can look at technology and innovation, these things are so interconnected too, which is really neat. But the more adaptable you are, and, and if you can adapt to what's going on, what your client needs, uh, how to be better, um, operationally, uh, how to be more innovative, how to be different, all these things, the quicker you can adapt and understand what's going on in the marketplace with your, uh, with your competitors, uh, what's going on with your audience, how the world is evolving and, and, and what you have access, resources you have access to or don't have access to, all those kinds of things make you that much more powerful. And companies that can adapt, in a, and especially in an industry that changes a lot, those companies can have a huge competitive advantage because they're always at the forefront of where the, where the industry uh, or their business is headed, right? And that can be a huge, and, and with the pace of change happening, this is an even more important opportunity for creating competitive advantage, right? You know, 50 years ago, the pace of change was way different than it is now. So being adaptable uh, is a huge uh, opportunity for people. So that would be number six. So number seven is information. So how do you become more knowledgeable or help your clients 
um, or your, your audience have more knowledge about what you do and what they need. So information or so, you know, how can you be more knowledgeable and how can you share information to your advantage and how can you gain more information? So, you know, um, there's a lot of different ways to spin this and I'm spinning it all kinds of ways. So how can you have access to more information? So how do you use data? How do you increase, you know, find more expertise to make your, your company more valuable, add more intelligence, either through research and discovery or by bringing in intelligent people or different opinions, things like that. So there's a lot of neat things that you can do from an information strategy standpoint to keep, to gain a competitive advantage. Just think about an ensemble practice that an advisor might have, or think about, you know, or, or a business outside of financial services who can bring in somebody into their company, you know, who knows, who's really good at one part and that, then they absolutely love it. So an example is a financial advisor who brings in a pair planner, right. In an ensemble practice. If you've got somebody who just loves creating financial plans and strategies and digging, digging deep into your clients, you know, financials and all the opportunities there that can be so positive from a, and you know, an information and uh, standpoint, because you have you have somebody who who can love living and breathing in that world, and for a lot of people who own businesses, you're always going to be in a better place when you're working on it than in it all the time. So if you can find better people to work in it, and that makes your ability to to work on it even you can leverage that more, right? Because you've got so much talent, so that can be a really interesting way to grow. Hopefully that made sense because I just kind of split up information to all kinds of different little elements that are not necessarily the same thing, but all relate around the idea of having more information, more expertise, more data, things like that. Well, I want to jump in here because the interesting thing about what we're talking about with the eight tactics to gain competitive advantage is you as the advisor, you as the business owner should not be the one who is doing everything at all times. And I think that there's a, a consistent stream of thought leadership here from Kirk talking about outsourcing, utilizing just people for shorter periods of time. There, there's a huge shift that can happen in your mind. And once you stop being the person who is doing all of the work and start having other people who can probably do the work better than you do it for you, then you can do what we really want you to do, which is this eighth tactic. So Kirk, you want to dive in here? Yeah. And that's not an easy thing for any business to achieve is getting to, because what you really, a lot of times what has to happen, the real, what you would like to happen is you start growing and you're so far ahead with revenue that you just fill in the gaps as you go, right? Oh, I need so-and-so here. You know, we're, we're, we're doing really well. But for a lot of people, it's not, it's not a straight line of growth always, right? And even when it is, there's, there's hiccups along the way. But, you know, at some point you got to hire one, two, three, four, you just keep adding people. And then if, if you have a dip, so you've got to get in a position where you can identify how to add talent to keep growing so that you can pursue all of these tactics, right? And bring in people so that you can um, be more operationally effective 
uh, or you can have somebody who's focused on innovation or somebody who can add more value by, by bringing in more information and being more knowledgeable or being better at what they do. So it's really, um, that's, I think, probably one of the tougher things that that you and I both independently and now collectively have had to overcome is being able to get enough momentum and success that you can make decisions, but you kind of go backwards sometimes when you try to build your infrastructure, when you try to pursue these opportunities to gain an advantage. So you really have to believe in yourself and you really have to do a good job, find the right people so you can keep kind of keep moving forward. So all these things kind of, blend into this next idea, which I hear about, I'd like to hear about it from a perspective of gaining a competitive advantage more. And I'd like for everybody listening to think, consider how they can leverage all the things we just talked about to become part of this next uh, tactic. And that tactic is two pronged, but I think they go together. I don't think they can really live without each other, to be honest. And they are client experience and community feel how do you create a client experience and a community feel that separate you from the crowd and make it very difficult for other people to compete now if you've listened to lots of my podcasts you're going to start hearing some stuff i've talked about before but this is a new way to think about it so the first thing is that if you want to create a better client experience and make people feel like they're part of a community you want to create a ton of value in that community. And the only way to do that, as I've described many times, is to have a niche focus. Because the more niche focus you have, the more value you can create when that focus than anybody else can, right? Because if somebody's serving 10 different types of clients and you're only serving one or two, you can create way more value because you understand them and you have more time to talk to them. You can create content and value at a much faster pace with much more depth, uh, with much more excellence than you can anybody else you'd be competing with. So that's huge. Mm -hmm. But if you, when you create more value and you have that niche focus, the client experience is, is going to improve. You've got a real opportunity to do that. And when you're improving the client experience, you get to a certain point where people feel part of a community and then you've got a competitive advantage. Whether that's local or national, regional, whatever it is, you can achieve that. The second part of creating a better client experience and community feel is to make sure that everybody that works with you feels understood. So you can create value, but not necessarily be making sure you understand. So understanding is making them feel special and then giving them what they want, but also giving them what they didn't know they needed. And when you can figure out how to give them both of those things, they're going to feel incredibly special. So you really need to understand them, make feel they feel understood. And when I talk about working on the business, it's also why you need to work in the business a little bit because you always have to be connected with who you're trying to serve, right? So, you know, as Matt and I try to work more on the business all the time, it's, it's when, you, when you're back in working in it sometimes that you get your best ideas and you get that perspective that you need to be able to work on it better. And you hear about this all the time as management strategies, you know, having managers go back in and, and do different roles in the company so they can get a feel, they can experience what it's like to, to be that person on the team 
and not only to be what that person's life is like in the company and working with your customer, but what the customer experience is like as well. What does the company do and what does that employee do to, to either improve or, or in some cases, or ends up becoming a negative client experience. So that's really important to, to understand them, to be understood, make them feel special, all that kind of stuff. Be clear about who you help and why. So understanding somebody is important, but they need to, you need to be able to relate that back to them so they understand exactly who you're helping. But what's really important is understand the why. You hear Simon Sinek talk about this a lot, which is why. Why are you in the business? Why am I serving you? Um, why should you care? Answering all those questions. But the why is really important. And if you can have a really powerful why, um, that can really push your business forward. That can really make people feel uh, loved and special. Uh, and it can really drive your company. And most importantly, it can drive the culture of your company. Right. So as, as we grow, one of the things that's becoming increasingly important for us and our purpose at Top Advisor Marketing is that we want to use our success with people being their own loud and finding their voice and having thought leadership in their region with their audience. Right. But what, what if we can take that success and help people who don't have the means, who need to have a voice? Um, can we help them as well? So in a couple of cases, we haven't really talked about this officially, we're, we're finding ways to help um, local organizations, charitable organizations in one case. Sometimes it's just people who, who, who need to be out there that, they, um, that we think need to be out there and we want to help them too. So there's some really um, neat opportunities there to take your why and turn it into a, a help it develop or further develop a client experience to grow and strengthen your competitive advantage. The next one is to be consistent. If you are going to have a great client experience and you are going to build a community, you have to be consistently feeding them things that make them feel and act that way. I've made a couple of predictions on this podcast or in my episodes that I've done about the fact that I believe that podcasting as a, as a popular or um, regularly accepted marketing tactic will become more uh, of a norm or a need to have much like a website has become. I don't know if podcasting will get to that extent, but it'll definitely become a huge part of how an advisor communicates and it'll be more and more accepted as, as the years go on, which is exciting for us because uh, I believe we're leaders in, in that space, uh, not only in the financial services community, but as we grow into other uh, verticals, which is our plan, which will only make our relationship with financial services better, which is kind of cool. But being able to consistently push out who you are, what you're doing, the value add, um, and be able to deliver that all the time is going to be critical to building a competitive advantage and making that client experience good because people are going to want that. And you, if you can do that, you're going to have a lot of success. That's a really critical part. And we talk about that here all the time. The next one is to keep evolving your company. If you're, if you've got a great client experience and you sit on that, that's going to be a real challenge to keep it because other people will always be advancing and you need to be advancing. People's needs are changing. We talked about the pace of change these days in the world, in business and life. Uh, technology, science, everything, it's, 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 it's fast. 
and you need to keep evolving. And what does that mean? That means stay connected to what you're doing, why you're doing it. So have some grounding principles that you can follow so that you can continue to deliver an incredible client experience. And the other one I'm going to let you explain, Matt, because it was actually your point as we were building this map. Yeah. So the idea here is to be involved with the community that you are passionate and want to have a competitive advantage in. It doesn't really matter how you're involved in the community because any community involvement is going to change things. So something that Kirk and I do here at, at Top Advisor Marketing is both of us volunteer to help other people with podcasting. Podcasting is our passion, right? Helping people get their voices out into the marketplace, truly rise above the noise. That, that's what we're really here for. And so we're involved in, in, in that community. But you as a financial services professional or a business owner need to think, what community do I want to be involved in? And then test yourself. Okay, so let's say I want to be involved in uh, a, a local fishing organization. Rod and Gun Club is a great example. Well, you know, there, there could be some great clients there. We know that there are some great clients there, but do you really love to hunt and fish? Well, maybe you physically can't hunt and fish. What can you do to still be involved in that community? Could you interview them? Could you donate money to them? Could you support their events by talking about it on social media, saying, hey, this is an organization that I really believe in. You know, please support uh, your local Ducks Unlimited or anything along those lines. A lot of times it's just your voice and action that makes a big difference because people are going to sniff you out if you're not genuine. Um, you know, this whole fake it till you make it doesn't work when you're trying to build a great community feel within your practice. And it doesn't have to be hyper-focused. It can be locally focused, right? You can just be involved in your community. The town that I live in specifically has an enormous amount of events that you can be involved in and show your community participation by shopping at locally owned shops, you know, going to concerts and events when all of that stuff happens again after this uh, COVID hopefully gets under control. But think about different ways that you can be involved. But more importantly, who do you want to be involved with? And then once you make that commitment, and that's the word I want to use there, that commitment, that's when you need to start talking about that community. And I've used this example before, Kirk, and then I'll, I'll, I'll let you wrap up today's podcast. But one of my old clients is in Tennessee. Love this guy. He used to be a set drummer uh, and actually toured with a bunch of bands. And his community that he's really involved with is, is, a, is a pet community. Uh, and what they do is they help raise money to um, breed dogs or to buy puppies more than anything. They don't breed them. Um, to, to help prisoners. And so what they do is it's the puppies in prisons. And so the, the prisoners help train the puppies and it's a great socialization thing. And he's crazy passionate about this. And he posts about it all the time on Facebook. And it's really funny because uh, it was about six, seven months ago, I talked to him and he said, you know, Matt, I'm, I'm known as the puppy guy. And I'm like, how awesome is that, that you're known as the puppy guy? And everybody knows he's a financial advisor, but if you love puppies and you need a financial advisor, the probability of you working with this guy is very, very high because he's loud and proud about what he does and why he's involved in that community. Your example had to involve dogs. Of course it did. Dogs or mm -hmm. chickens are my focus right now, dude. So, Yeah. I think whenever you're talking about being involved, it has to relate back to the client experience and, and the audience that you want to have, right? Like this Matt was trying to get at, like, you know, um, is it based, you know, sometimes it's based on stuff that you like to do, but I know advisors and business owners who it's, it's best if you have people who you can connect with, but sometimes it's not always, that's not always 
the connection point. But a good example, um, another good example is uh, we work with a guy in uh, Kansas, I believe, and he has a uh, an adult child with a disability and special needs, sorry. And he does a lot of special needs planning and he gets so much fulfillment life and career wise and financially helping that. And he's involved quite a bit in the community for serving, for serving people and he can relate to them. So sometimes it can be something that deep and, and intimate. Sometimes it can be, you know, something leisure, like hobby wise. Um, and sometimes it can be uh, more around business. So we've got a, a great example recently of a financial advisor that was working with us, um, really struggled with his company to get compliance approval, got tired and said, uh, which is happening uh, not very often, to be honest. Most of the time, all the compliance departments are pushing podcasting through, but he got tired of waiting and decided he was going to do a lifestyle podcast and he did his first one the other day. And from what I've heard, it was unbelievable. And he's basically talking to business owners about success and how they got there. And I'm really excited to listen to it. But what he's doing is he's creating a community of care. He's showing he cares about his community by bringing in people. We've got another guy who's going to be talking to local heroes who are in his mind, business owners. And that's something we're seeing more often with people who want to podcast is using, identifying the community that they want in their community and the, the types of people in the community that they want to serve and talk to that'll attract the kinds of clients that they want. It doesn't mean you necessarily just attract business owners, but you attract people who care about local business as an example, or, or successful businesses and how they contribute to the economy or or the world or whatever. So there's all kinds of neat things that can happen when you're when you're thinking about the experience you want your clients to have. This podcast ends up becoming a thing that they can all go to and feel feel a part of something. Like we're all I'm learning about local businesses, people have success, and that's got a real community client experience feel to it, right? So even how you market can add to that if that if that makes any sense. So hopefully that's a cool little idea that you guys can um, can can think about um, in other ways in your business. Closing thoughts. I would say that was probably it. All right. Um, but you know, think about actually. No, I do have a good closing thought. Sorry. When we talk about client experience and community feel as one of the tactics, it really can be used. You can use all the previous seven tactics to create that client right that client experience. So. The more adaptive you are, the more you listen to your your clients, the more likely you can have a better client experience, right? The more information you can bring to your clients, either data that you can use to better understand them or information that you can use to make their life better, that's huge. If you can have better technology that meets the needs of your clients and how they want to do business, that could have a huge impact on the client experience. Operational effectiveness. You know, if you've got a pair planner who can dive deep, who's easier to access than you are, and and that may be a much better experience for your clients than you know waiting for them to find time on your calendar and maybe you not being able to go into as much detail because you're too busy running the business, right? So, 
uh, innovation. How do you integrate innovation into the client experience? So all the thing, this the seven tactics can feed into the final tactic and vice versa. So think about how you use all those different things to create that client experience. And differentiation is another big one. How do you take what you do and articulate it so that they understand that that client experience is different than they would get at some other person's office? So lots of opportunity there to think about ways to create a competitive advantage so that you can go do what? You can market like you have a choice of who you're going to work with. Did I say that at the start of today's podcast? You didn't, but I'd love for you to repeat that statement one more time. You need to market like you have a choice of who you work with. And I don't always see that happening. And one of our upcoming podcasts, I'm going to introduce this concept that I came up with recently called, we came up with called Franken marketing. I see sophisticated financial advisors with uh, mature practices who come, who we talk to, and they're like, I'm really interested in podcasting. I'd like to figure out how it fits into my marketing plan. And then I see these marketing plans, and I, that's why I call them Franken marketing plans. They've got so many moving parts. Um, there's a fair amount of uncoordination. The focus, uh, their focus isn't, um, a, isn't where it should be. Uh, they don't have like a, a chassis, if you will, to their marketing plan. It's just a whole bunch of tires and, and parts, and they're all loosely connected. It, it's a Frankenstein. And it becomes really difficult once you build this Frankenstein to rip it apart and do it the right way because it feels like it might be working okay, like it's walking, it's functioning to enough of a degree. And it also feels it probably was a big, a lot of work and a lot of effort and a lot of money to get there. And it would feel maybe um, deflating that if you were to tear it all apart and rebuild it, because it would feel like you hadn't made all the good decisions. So there's a lot of, you know, pride, ego, feeling like you're locking in a sunk cost to just saying, you know what, I got to do, I got to build this. I got to rip this, strip this down and build it better. But we're going to talk a lot in that Franken marketing podcast about how to take apart you know, what is a Franken marketing plan? How do you identify if you have a Franken marketing plan? And then how do you reframe it, rip it apart and rebuild it again so that it can be way more powerful? And that's what we're going to talk about another time. But that's this, these kind of go hand in hand to a degree because in your Franken marketing, you want to be able to have a focus on different ways to build competitive advantage too. But anyway. I'm not sure that made a lot of sense that last statement. So it did make a lot of sense. And I'm, I'm excited because you just previewed what our next podcast is going to be. And honestly, what a powerful statement that people not only do have Franken marketing, but they do have a choice at who they market to. They don't have to go and just, you know, cast this humongous net out in the middle of nowhere and really truly hope they attract their ideal client. They can do that. They can do that with yep. good marketing. They can do that with these eight tactics. They can do it with, you know, making sure that you're building in a proper community and being involved in a proper community. So, Kirk, as always, dude, I mean, I talk to you almost every day, but uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. And we need to be doing more and more and more of these because, man, I like your brain. And I like what you're thinking. And I know our audience does, too. So thanks, dude. Thanks, Manny. Yeah. 
All right. Happy birthday, by the way. Oh, hey, thanks. I appreciate that. Oh, if you have not subscribed to the podcast, make sure you click that subscribe now button below. That way, every time Kirk or I or anybody else comes out with a great idea on these podcasts, it'll show up directly on your listening device. If you have any topic ideas that you'd like us to cover, specific things that you'd like Kirk and I to talk about, all you have to do is email me, Matt, at topadvisorm.com. That M is for marketing. We'd be more than happy to attack whatever you would like us to attack. So for everybody here at Top Advisor Marketing and Kirk Lowe, we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Are you ready to change the way you communicate with your clients? Are you tired of being the best kept secret in your area? Learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your business. Contact us today and see what the power of podcasting can do for your business. Click on the Contact Us link on our website at topadvisormarketing.com and set up a call to learn more. Follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook for more updates and information. This was brought to you by iris.xyz a platform helping financial professionals become better in business and life through new media and new voices. Visit them and learn more at iris.xyz.